If you have your Bible this morning or your device that gets you to Scripture, what I'd like for you to do is turn to the book of Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 8. Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. We are talking this morning, in a, we're in a series and we're using the word awakening, awakening. Okay, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're right in the middle of this series. Um, so Mark chapter 8, I want you to go to, uh, for some of you, a couple of uh, verses that are very familiar to you. Uh, if you haven't heard these before, uh, I want you to really take these down into your heart. Let them enter into your spirit and mull over these verses uh, that Jesus uh, was explaining to his disciples. Amen. Uh, some things about following him, okay? 8, Mark 8, verse 34. The Bible says this, And when he had called the people to him, with his disciples also, he said to them, listen, he's speaking to you this morning. He said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Hallelujah. We're talking about this word awakening. Awakening. We're in this series called Awakening. And there's five things I'm after, five awakenings that I'm after in this series. One is awakening hunger. How many know that if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to live an abundant life, you first have to have a want to. You have to have a, a, a desire. You have to have a hunger. And God is awakening a hunger within us. We began this year with a fast uh, for 10 days and we ended with uh, Holy Communion. And I believe during that time, God was awakening a hunger in us, a desire to serve him more, to, to seek his face while he may be found. An awakening hunger and then an awakening alignment. We need to align ourselves with the word of truth, with the word of God and with the spirit of truth. We need to align ourselves with that. Because for some of us, or most of us, who have given our life to the Lord, we're going to get there in the end. We'll get there. But if you want to live the life that God has called you to, God did not save you just to take you into heaven immediately. We are still here on this earth for a purpose and if we're going to get there the way that he wants us to get there, with the abundant life, come on, overcoming, being the head and not the tail, being above and never again beneath, we're going to have to align ourselves with the principles that he's laid out. We're going to have to align ourselves. And then we're going to talk about awakening abandonment. I'll explain that to you in just a few moments. And then awakening agreement. We have to agree with God's word. We have to agree. Can two walk together, Amos said, unless they be agreed? And then we'll culminate with awakening anticipation for what God is going 
to do. Actually, what he's already done, but we're just going to walk into it. How many know that he lives and, and moves and breathes in eternity? So what he's, what he's going to do is really already done. But for us, it just needs to manifest. We need to walk into it. Amen. And so we're going to anticipate that thing. So we're talking about awakening abandonment. Let me throw a scripture at you uh, this morning. Jeremiah 33, 3. God is speaking to all of us, especially through the fast. But he continues to speak this to us. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Not things that you already know. You know I'm God, you know I'm good, you know those, you know I can bless you, you know I'm able to heal, you know I'm able to deliver, all of those things. But I am going to show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Things you don't know. Things that have not even entered into your mind. If you will call to me, I will answer you and I'll show you these things. It is amazing to me, even when I look in the mirror sometimes. But it is amazing to me how we seek after satisfaction, how we seek after things in so many venues, with so many avenues, from so many people, when the one who has the answer is right before us. And he doesn't have the answer, he has all the answers to everything. He has answers to questions you don't even know that you're going to ask. He already has the answers. And so he says, call to me and I'll show you these things. So we're talking about abandonment. Well, what does that mean? What am I talking about when I say abandonment? Abandonment is this. It is the act and attitude of handing over and putting your life into God's hands completely. Never again claiming a right of control. You see, we can sing all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him, I truly give, I surrender. It's one thing to sing it, but it's another thing to actually give your life to him, to hand it over to him completely and to say, Lord, this belongs to you. Especially here in the West, here in America, and I'm sure other places around the world, but I know here in America, we don't like that. See, we don't like uh, giving up control. We don't like being in situations where we don't have control. Because we have rights. See, we have privileges. We have things that are owed to us. So every time I get paid, you know, I look at that form, and I had to make sure because I put in my eight hours, I put in my 40 hours, and I want to make sure you took out the right amount of taxes. You didn't take out anything extra because it's owed to me. That's mine. And boy, if it is, I'm going to raise a fuss. Everything that belongs to me is mine. And that begins when we're little kids. I see it. And my children, come on, that's mine. Everything that's owed to me, it's mine. Last piece of cake, that's mine. You had three pieces, I had two. That one is mine. We want what belongs to us, what's owed to us. And you know, to a point, that's okay when you talk about human rights, civil rights, when you talk about freedom, the great freedom that we enjoy here in America. Amen. When you talk about that, it's wonderful. But the problem for us is that our mindset is going to have to change, it's going to have to shift when we talk about the kingdom of God. 
You cannot take that same mindset into the kingdom and start talking about what I'm owed and, and what belongs to me and what is mine. Because the Lord is saying everything is mine. When you turn your life over to me, it all belongs to me. You give up a right to control anything. Come on. Don't overwhelm me with the response for that one. I know. But listen, that's, the thing about it is what we need to realize is if and when we do that, God has all things to enjoy are in his presence. But see, for our flesh, it's like I want to hang on to that thing because I know what's best for me. But God is saying, if you'll just turn it over to me, if you'll seek my presence, if you will press in 100%, well, you don't know what you're missing if you haven't done it. Second Chronicles 16.9, here's what God is saying to you. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking for someone, searching for someone to show himself strong. He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those who are what? Loyal to him. The message put it this way. God is always on the alert. Always looking out. Who? Who can I bless? Who can I show myself mighty through today? Who's going to give themselves to me? Who will surrender? Who can I do this mighty? I got a blessing here. I got a blessing and I'm ready to bless someone and I'm ready to bless someone else through them. But I'm looking, I'm looking around. Who is it? Who will do it? Who will throw their hands up and surrender? Constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. Who can I show myself mighty through? God is saying. But the problem with us is we want to keep our rights. I have a right, and I want to keep it. You know, Christianity is somewhat popular in some areas now. It's kind of popular to be a Christian sometimes. But I want to tell you that Christianity was a cross before it was a chorus. Yeah, Christianity was a cross before it was a chorus. Before it was a blessing, it was a message of, who will come to me and die? That was the message. Do you know that the first hundred years of Christianity found its progress in blood? I mean real blood. I mean true martyrdom. I mean witnesses who not only laid down their life in such a way that your will is greater than mine, but they really laid down their life in blood. Come on. To this day, there are more than 3 billion people who cannot worship the God that you and I know without some form of persecution. And in many countries, that persecution means death. More than 3 billion, there's 7 billion people in the world. 3 billion of them cannot worship the God that you and I know. I'm not talking about any other so-called God. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ without some form of persecution. Come on. Some of them it's torture. Some of them it's death. Jim Elliott was a great missionary. He was one where he gave his life for the service of the Lord. Uh, he had many writings and he ended up being a martyr. But here's something he wrote 
and it really stuck with me. Jim Elliott said this. He said, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life. And may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, he said, but a life like you, Lord Jesus. A life like you. He said to light these idle sticks, whatever is idle in your life. He said to light these idle sticks, put them on fire. Come on, and give me a full life. How many of us desire a full life? You know, God also promised us a long life. But just as much as a long life, I want a full life. That's why I love reading about Jim Elliott. He was a missionary and a martyr to the Akua Indians. Someone else who I love to read about is King Solomon. You can find him in 1 Kings chapter 8. The Bible says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all of the assembly of Israel. He spread out his hands toward... He knelt down at this altar and he spread out his hands toward heaven and he cried out to God. Now everybody in Israel at this time from the youngest to the oldest, knew that an altar represented death. It represented death by sacrifice. And Solomon went to that altar to sacrifice himself. He knelt down on the altar and said, Have thine own way, Lord. Thou art the potter, I am but the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Take my life. Now, if Solomon would have stayed on that altar, we may not have the book of Ecclesiastes. But there were things for him, like many of us, that distract us. He ended up with several concubines. The kingdom ended up being split, in part because of Solomon. What things distract you from the altar? Many of us have a good start. We go to the altar and we say, Lord, take my life. Take everything that belongs to me. We have a good start, but there are things that begin to distract us, just like King Solomon. Well, if you're going to abandon everything and give it all to the Lord, there are some stages that you go through. You'll have the stage of belief. We believe. We believe. Then you'll have the stage of conversion. You must first believe. Jesus must be revealed to you. And then you're converted. We have the stage of following. We have the stage of being transformed, not conformed. Conformed is being molded from the outside. Transformed is being changed from the inside. And then we have the stage of being fully devoted to him. That's the stage that we want to get to. That's where we want to get to. We want to abandon everything else and say, Lord, it's all yours. And then when you do that, God will say, look at all these blessings. Because you have given yourself to me, they are all yours. When will we realize that? 
Now, there are some necessary elements of abandonment, folks. There are some elements, and it comes right out of Mark 8, 34 and 35, what we read. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whoever desires, desires to come after me. The first step is a desire. We must have a desire to come after the Lord. Many people have desire, but not to commit. They don't have the commitment. And so desire alone will not result in abandonment unless you take the steps. The desire includes all of that. Desire is not just a feeling. Oh, I feel, yes, I feel it in my spirit. I feel it. I'm here on the couch, and I feel in my spirit that I just want to serve the Lord. But you can't stay on your couch. <laughs> you must be in his presence. There must be some prayer. There must be some word. There must be some sacrifice. There must be some counseling that you receive and give. There must be some discipleship that you receive and give. There must be some mentoring that you receive and give. There must be sacrifice to make a decision to walk away from everything that we know. You know, the disciples had to have a desire in order to do that. They walked away from everything that they knew, everything, to serve God. There had to be a holy discontent with living life in the safe realm of passivity, uncommitted relationship with God. I don't know about you, but one thing I've learned over my years of serving the Lord is I am tired of the passivity. I'm tired of sitting back watching life pass me by. Come on. There's a time when you got to get in. I, I heard a tape, a tape. That's right, a tape. It wasn't an MP3 and it wasn't a CD. It's back when they had tapes. I had a, heard a tape one time of a guy talking, and, and one phrase on this tape stood out to me. He was a motivational speaker. But one phrase stood out to me. He said, you, you can't win unless you're in the game. You can't win unless you're in the game. I cannot succeed unless I am fully devoted to Christ. I cannot find out what blessings God has for me and what I can do to serve the kingdom unless I'm in it. I can't sit on the side and watch every. I can't watch Sister Jody do her thing. I can't watch Brother Carter and everyone else, Brother Andy. I can't watch all of them and not be in the game and expect to succeed. Come on, that's just insanity. It really is, but we got to get in the game. I'm always amazed when I think about sports figures or, you know, like my wife is in this opera today, you know, performers and singers um, or even especially Olympians. You know, in order to be in the Olympics, you have to start very early in life, don't you? You ever seen some of, some of the Olympians? I, I mean, the, some of the Olympians are young themselves. Maybe they're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. But to get to that point, they had to start at 6, 7, 8, 9 years old. And there had to be some sacrifice. I mean, to be athletic and to do all of those things as required of you, come on. You, you have, there has to be some sacrifice. You can't just have a desire and go to bed and say, Lord, yes, 
I have the desire. I want to play in the Super Bowl tomorrow. And uh, boy, I just want to catch a bunch of passes and I want to do all that. And then you wake up in the morning and you got all the muscles and you got all the speed that you need. Doesn't happen like that overnight. You're going to have to hit the gym. You got to hit the weights. You got to hit the pool. You got to do some things. And then you got to eat right. Come on. Your mind has to be right. There's some sacrifice involved in this thing. Well, so it is in your spirit. Come on, you can't, we, there's some things we have to do. The desire is much more than just saying, oh, I have an emotion of desire. I've got to read my word. I've got to fellowship with others. I've got to pray for people. I've got to ask for prayer. I've got to forgive. I've got to ask for forgiveness. I've got to forget about being offended. And then I better go ask somebody to forgive me when I offended them. Come on. Come on, we have some work to do. Desire. Desire is more than wishful thinking. It is a passionate and resolute determination of the will to achieve that which is sought after. It is purposefulness. Loving something and taking delight in it to the point that you will do anything for that one. I'll do anything to get there. I'll give it all up, Lord, for you. To have a relationship to Jesus is a beginning. It's possible, it's real, but it should grow from there. Ephesians chapter 4, unto full stature. Take us on unto maturity, Lord. I don't want to stay here. And then the second thing is denial. He says, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Denial refuses to pay attention to what one's own desires are. It is to refuse to give thought or concern for it, to disregard, to pay no attention to. In other words, I'm turning to you, Lord. I'm turning, my eyes are on you. Remember that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look to him. Don't let the other things distract you. Don't let offenses distract you. Don't let people distract you. Come on. You didn't get the promotion at work? Don't let it distract you. You didn't get the grade you thought you were going to get on the test? Don't let it be a distraction because there's another opportunity. But the Lord says, turn your eyes upon me. Denial commits everything I have and everything I am to God. Everything I have, everything I am to you, Lord. That's my job, my money, my wife, my children, my house, my church, my relationships, whatever it may be, everything I have, I commit to you. Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. Now, we can look at these first two things. We can look at desire. We can look at denial, and we can say, well, yeah, Lord, you know, I have a desire. And uh, yes, I'm going, to, I'm going to do some things. I'm going to participate at church. Maybe I'll help in the children's ministry. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, have, have fellowship. I'll, I'll pray. I'll read my Bible. I'm in the game. I'm in the game. And then you want to talk about denial, and you say, yeah, okay, Lord, I, I get it. I get what you're saying there. You know, there's so many things I want, but I know you have the best thing for me. Amen. And so I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to, you know, I really would like to give that person a piece of my mind, but I'll deny myself. You know, I want to go into that meeting and, and tell them what I think, 
You know, I want to go tell my boss what's going on. I, I want to tell my wife what's happening, but I'll deny myself. All right, Lord, I got that. I got that. But now this next thing takes it to another level. <laughs> because then Jesus said, take up your cross, which means what? Death. Abandonment recognizes that I am crucified with Christ and puts my death and my own desires on that cross and I live wholly and only for Christ. Galatians 2.20, by the way, is what it is, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it is not I who live, but Christ in me. And the life I now live, I live it by the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Come on, I am crucified. It's nailed to the cross. There are two important aspects of this phase. One is we have to have a self-initiative. Jesus says that the follower must take up his cross. You have to go do it. There's a cross there, but you must take it up. Just like Jesus did. That's why, by the way, he took up his cross. They told him to carry his own cross, but that's why. He took up his cross because he went willingly. He went willingly to Calvary to purchase you and I back. He didn't do it begrudgingly. Oh, yeah, I know he prayed in the garden. I know he prayed, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I know he prayed. But he also said, not my will, but your will, Father. And so willingly he went to his death. And so willingly, we must go to the death of this flesh. We have to have some self-initiative. And then we have to have some ownership because he said, take up his cross. God has prepared a cross for you. And he's prepared a cross for me. Because he knows what things need to die in our life. Say, Lord, just cut Jesus, come into my life. And the Lord Jesus says, I'll come into your life. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. Thank you for asking. And I'll be in your life. Oh, but by the way, I'm not going to live in the back bedroom. No, I'm not going to live in the back bedroom of your life. In fact, when I come into your house, now all of a sudden, I own the house. Well, wait a minute, Lord. You know, that's, that's not really fair. I mean, this is my house. Well, not if you asked me into it. Come on now. If you're going to ask me into your house, now I own the house. And you're just a renter. <laughs> Come on. Because I know what the house needs. If I leave the house in your hands, you will destroy it. But if you ask me in, I'll make it the best house you've ever seen in your life. It will be a pleasure for you to live in this house. You will be the envy of the block. <laughs> Come on. But death, death is what it takes. We need some ownership. We all have a cross to face. Jesus' cross was literal. And we thank the Lord we don't have to go to a literal cross. Well, some have. There have been martyrs. Come on. Some have faced death. But that's not what's required. But this flesh has to die. And then finally, he says, and follow me. That's some dedication. Abandonment walks away from anything that separates me from Christ. Abandonment is giving up my goals, my plans, and my dreams to participate in what Christ is doing. It's giving up everything. Giving up everything. 
Now, thank the Lord there are some examples for us. You know, but what we, what we want to do is we want to have, it's, it's not that we mind being in a kingdom, but we want the kingdom of self. And you see, the kingdom of self has got me on the throne. Everything is centered around me. You know, I'll help you as long as it doesn't put me out too much. I'll pray for you as long as I get my other things done first. It's the kingdom of self. But God is calling us to the kingdom of what? Kingdom of God. That's where God is the center. Jesus is the center of that kingdom. He is the center. Now, abandonment here is a decision. It's a decision. And God has left us with some examples. What about Caleb? You know, God said something about Caleb that really stuck with me. In Numbers 14, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land, Caleb said, and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. But my servant Caleb, God said this, because he he has a different spirit. What a blessing that is for the Lord to say that. What if he said that about you? I really love Brother Jeff because he has a different spirit, something different. God recognized that in Caleb. He has a different spirit. There are others. What about Ruth? Ruth's decision to follow with total abandonment. She said something that we use at weddings all the time. But actually, it should be our whole life. She said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Ruth was a great example. How many of us can say, Lord, wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. What about the other side of that thing, Saul? Saul made a decision to turn back from following. 1 Samuel says this, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as a king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, the Bible says, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. We don't want that. No, we want to be like David. He decided to follow God with a decision of abandonment. A decision of abandonment. 1 Kings 14.8, and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. And yet you have not been as my servant David who kept my commandments, who followed me with all his heart to do only what was right in my eyes. I don't know about you, but when I go to stand before the Lord, it is my desire that the Lord would say about me, you have abandoned everything. You have followed my commandments and you have done right in my eyes. Now, let me just give you a little hint about that. Because if we look at David's life, we'll begin to see that everything he did physically couldn't have been right in God's eyes. To me, committed murder. Come on. He committed adultery. He did all these things. So, Lord, how can you say that? Well, then God is never wrong. So there must be something to what God is saying. Paul put it this way. He said, David was a man after God's own heart. That is what God is looking for from you and from me. He knows you're not already perfect, but he'll make you perfect. 
but you have to abandon everything else. You're not going to find perfection anywhere else. You're not going to find it in trying to be perfect. You're only going to find it in abandonment.